again and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Who Are Uni? Today I'm joined by Sarah Hooper, uh, an American student who has come all the way from North Carolina to London to study journalism. In this episode we talk about the single life, religion, British culture and so much more. I really hope you enjoy listening to this second episode of Who Are Uni and please do give us a follow. You can find us on Instagram at Who Are Uni. Hi Sarah and welcome to the Who Are Uni podcast. Can you just introduce yourself to my listeners please? Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Hooper. And I'm from North Carolina, and I'm currently studying in the same master's program with Maeve. Yeah, so can you first tell me just where you're from, where you grew up, and what universities you have been to slash are going to? I was born and raised right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's in the American South, uh, sort of right between New York and Florida, if you guys aren't too familiar with American geography. And I went to East Carolina University, which is about an hour and a half from the Outer Banks, if you all are familiar with that show or area. So, yeah. Um, What did you study at university as well? I don't think I ever asked you. I actually started with theater education, which is a very niche major. Very. Yeah, which I soon discovered. But I was a theater kid in high school, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. I switched sophomore year to communications, and I never looked back, so I focused in public relations and dabbled in journalism. Lovely. Did you do journalism sort of as like a hobby, um, like a society or a extracurricular is what you call it? Uh, yeah, so I was actually looking for sort of an extracurricular to do my junior year, um, my third year in college. and. I applied for the student newspaper, the East Carolinian, shout out East Carolinian, and I was accepted and I worked there for two years within news and arts and entertainment. Lovely. First section that I generally talk about in this podcast is socials and that's like social life, the things that you do um, when you go out, things you do in your spare time. Uh, first thing I think is really important to mention, though, is the fact that you're, you and because you grew up in America, you weren't allowed to drink until you were 21. Legally. Legally. So <laughs> do you want to just talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I would say that drinking underage is pretty frowned upon in the States until you hit age 18. And then I think there's such like a subculture of underage drinking, especially in college, that it becomes really unhealthy, and I think that's why there's such a binge drinking issue in college. I don't know, I really didn't drink until I was 19. Even then, it was just socially, and if my parents offered me a drink, um, which was very rare, um, considering we were in the South, and it's a little conservative there. But, yeah, I don't know, it's like a very social thing in the States, in college, I feel like. Um... Definitely in the UK as well, but especially since it's sort of like a taboo, everyone really wants to do it in college in the States. Mm. What was the first time you started drinking when you were 19? What was that like? Um, 
Apologies for the sirens, any listener. But this is what you get when you live in London. <laughs> well, I'll just wait a second until it passes. Oh, fire truck. What was your question? The first time you started drinking. Honestly, I can't really recall the very first time I started drinking, but I mean, I would drink at parties my freshman and sophomore year occasionally, but I don't think I ever really started heavily drinking until maybe sophomore year in mm-hmm. my dorms. Uh, my friends and I would always have wine nights, and that's probably when I started drinking. And then junior year, I started going out to the clubs and drinking more. So, mm. yeah. So junior year, were you 21? No, I had so just went, turned 20. So you went to clubs before you were 21. How did you manage that? Well, in the States, uh, maybe it's not like a club club, but um, they allow 18 and up in all clubs as long as you have a wristband so and X's on your hands so they don't serve you alcohol. Oh, okay. But um, if you have a special wristband, they'll serve you if you're 21 and up. And honestly, guys just buy you drinks. Yeah. And, or you would drink really heavily before you went. Yeah. Uh, which isn't healthy, but, yeah, it's definitely very common. Mm. Interesting. Well, that was in America, but now you, you're doing your master's in London. What do you think the biggest difference is in your sort of social life and your going out and what you do in your spare time? It's very drink heavy. I feel like more so than in the States, just anything socially, uh, which isn't bad, but it's just, it was a surprise to me because if I wanted to socialize with my friends back home, like on a weeknight or something, maybe we would go get dinner and watch a movie, maybe have a drink. But here I feel like it's like, oh, let's go to the pub. Mm. Let's go out for dinner. Let's have a few drinks. Yeah. And it's such a social thing. I feel like that's a really big difference. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. I drink a lot more here than I ever did back in the States, especially during the week. Like, if it's after class, my friends want to go get a pint. I mean, I'm not going to say no. So it's just a very social thing here. I'd say that's a really big difference. I think so as well. I think that it's probably endemic in the UK that sort of, like, drinking is just inherent to our culture. Like, you just don't... I genuinely don't think I really often say let's go get a coffee or let's let's just go to a movie and then go home I don't know it's just you do I you are completely correct drinking is so I don't know it's so important to the British culture it's just yeah it is interesting isn't it it's just yeah it's very inherent for you for the British culture I don't know why Maybe it's because I feel like walking is so accessible here. Yeah. And public transportation as well that it's like, oh, well, I can have a drink and take the train home. Oh, okay. But I feel like in America, everything very much relies around the cars. And so maybe not so much because you have to plan rides. You have to do this because it's not very walkable where a lot of people live. So I think maybe that's why. But Oh, I like that. I like that suggestion because it then implies that we're not all alcoholics. No, I don't think you guys are alcoholics. I just think you guys are very social people. And it's just a way to unwind. I mean, I find myself, like, giving into the drinking culture here a lot. Yeah. I'm a people person, so I feel like that doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm, like, an extrovert, and I do feel like 
I I find it difficult to say no when someone invites me to do something and often like you say it's it's often surrounding alcohol. So I feel like I actually drink a lot more than I would necessarily choose to if it Same. were like if it were up to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like I should because I feel like if if I don't then I'm not going to be able to hang out with the people that yeah. I want to hang out with. You have fear of missing out. Yeah, oh 100%. I had that so badly. Fun, like, if my friends go for like one drink without me, I'm like <laughs> I want to go with you guys. I literally get FOMO so bad. I'm so glad I've met someone who gets the same amount of FOMO. What about sort of the places that you like to you like to go? I know you've mentioned pubs a few times. You prefer a pub to a club to a bar. What's the kind of if you if you were picking the night out in London, what well, what would you pick? I feel like I'm so boring, but and I'm very frugal when it comes to going out in London because London's so expensive. I would much rather have, like, a pub night that leads into a house party than I would, uh, like, go to a club. Mm. I feel like it saves money. Also, it's more personable. I mean, I like to meet people. I'll go on a club night, like, maybe once every two months. Mm. But I'm a very much a people person, like, personal relationship person. So I feel like my small group, I would rather have something intimate with them than yeah. go out with a bunch of people that I don't know and sweaty guys all over me yeah that's how i feel yeah i think that's understandable i think i feel the same way but for different reasons Mm -hmm. i think i prefer a pub and a bar maybe i mean house parties yeah they're okay um if we if we were the right right people yeah with the right people for sure like if the people i don't particularly care for or don't know i don't know it's a bit it's a bit of a hit and miss really but Bars and and pubs are 100% much preferred to clubs. I think my clubbing days are over. I think I've grown out of it. I walk into a club now and I feel like I'm the oldest person there. I went into I'm only a 23. club <laughs> recently and I felt like I walked into a freshers event. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I never really had a clubbing days because back in my college town, there was maybe one club in our college town yeah. that we would all go to because it was very small. But the rest were all, like, bars, like, dive bars yeah. with dance floors. And that's what I would prefer. Inferno's in Clapham is oh. 21 over. It's 21 and over. So if you go in there, you will... You, I mean, you won't feel like the oldest, that you're actually part of the youngest sort of um, bunch. But um, I've only been there once, and I was only there for 15 minutes because had to take my very inebriated friend home um mm, love that <laughs> love you lara but um <laughs> yeah it was i think that with clubbing I, in london specifically if you want those nights where you're not the youngest it means you have to spend a lot of money exactly and it's just not something i'm willing to spend money on yeah not right now not when i don't when we don't have disposable income yeah i mean i work at a pub maybe two nights a week i probably have an income of 50 pounds a week on the side mm. no i can't afford that so i like talking about the silly things we do when we're drunk i'd just like to know your most embarrassing slash funny drunk story <laughs> oh god uh, if my friends are listening, you guys probably know this story very well. So, my college town was very small, and the downtown was walkable, which is where all the bars were. And so, we would drink a lot and then walk to the bars. Uh, my friend Summer texted me, and she was like, oh yeah, like, let's come over to my apartment, like, we'll all drink, and then we'll walk to the club. And I said, okay, yeah, that's fine. 
and I drank probably a little too much. I wasn't completely blacked out. <laughs> I was a little inebriated. And so we were walking and I went to this sort of like crosswalk where you walk in front of where cars are exiting a parking lot. And I looked at the driver who was stopped there waiting to leave. He looked at me and sort of like nodded and like motioned me forward. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go. And so I walked forward and he jolted forward and hit me and I landed on the hood of his car. Like I didn't flip or anything, but enough to like make me like kind of fall on the hood. And my best friend, Olivia, started like banging on the car, the car window and was like, you hit my friend. You just hit my friend. And the guy just drove away. So you just, so, so your funniest drunk story is, is being a victim to a hit and run. Yeah, and then I went to get nachos at a bar, and there's a picture of me, like, eating nachos, looking really sad, because I was just hit by a car. So yeah, that's probably my funniest joke story. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, lovely. Well, thanks for talking about your social life with me. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, the next section is the style section. Um, so this is going to be about fashion, about politics, about your personal vibe, your personal style. What would you say is your personal style in terms of fashion? I feel like I'm very go with the flow. I'm not very edgy. I would like to be, but I'm not. I'm very much sort of a nice pair of jeans, like a fun top and trainers person. Mm Mm-hmm. And other than that, very lazy. Back home, I feel like style is so different, especially in university. I would go to class in, like, a pair of leggings, a really old t-shirt, and sneakers, trainers, whatever you guys call them. And that was fine, but I feel like here I have to dress up more, so I feel like my style has definitely evolved since moving to London. But I'd say overall very casual. What about your politics, then? What would you say is your politics? I'd say I definitely lean liberally. Yeah. Um, Democrat? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a registered Democrat. I'm not afraid to say that. Voter records are open in the States, so you guys can double check me if you want. (laughs) But yeah, I'm a registered Democrat. I will say I have issues with both parties. Yeah. Definitely. But um, ideologically, I'm definitely more liberal. Were you ever involved with any politic at university? Sort of like... um... Did you did you get involved in the campaigning in elections? Uh, I was pretty laid back. I mean, I'm I was very outspoken politically on social media throughout college because obviously I I went to college from 2017 to 2021, which was the height of the Trump era. So there was a lot of things that made headlines that I felt very strongly about mm. that I spoke out against. Uh, I would say the most politically active I've been, even if you can call this active, is covering a Trump uh, campaign rally in my college town uh, for my student newspaper. So that's about as politically active as I've been. But even then, I had to be unbiased, mm. no matter my feelings. Was that quite tricky? Uh, it wasn't really tricky. I will ju- I'll say it was kind of hard to quote him, because... If you guys listen to Trump, he just, like, goes from one thing to another. He's like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and about this and about that. And then he'll, like, jump from subject to subject. His quotes just don't make sense. Yeah. They so do. I, would yeah, I have send... noticed that. He just rambles, doesn't he? Yeah. And I was sent... I sent it to my editor in real time. She was like, 
this doesn't make sense. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's what the guy said. Yeah. And so it was just very interesting to cover that. And obviously, North Carolina's a majority conservative state, but where I grew up was a lot more liberal. So very interesting to go to a conservative college town from a more liberal hometown. Really? Mm-hmm. So were, were the students at the university... I mean, because obviously you do tend to have this sort of, like, um, stereotype of younger people generally lean towards the left and older people generally lean towards the right. So is that... Do you think that was the case at your... Cons- at, at the university that you went to in a conservative area? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yes and no. I would say that, weirdly enough, most of my female friends were very liberal, and a lot of my male friends were very conservative. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, I don't know, it was a very diverse university in terms of politics. I mean, North Carolina is very diverse, and it's very rural in a lot of areas, very conservative, and then you have big cities where it's very, very liberal, and so people are very divisive in their opinions, but... Yeah, most of my guy friends were very conservative, and I mean, I'm still friends with them, but we would disagree a lot, and we've had lively discussions about it, and so, yeah, I don't know, it's it's interesting to think about how university can change your political beliefs, and, or not change them, because I had a lot of friends come in conservative, leave conservative, I had them, friends come in liberal and leave conservative, vice versa, I don't know. It's just a very interesting environment. Mm. I think, yeah, I think that that often happens in the UK too. I think it's similar. I think you get... But I do think you get a lot more students in the UK straight left-wing. Like, they... I've, I've noticed that too, yeah, yeah. like, the there is definitely a visible age split with politics in the UK because most of my friends at university were all left-wing. Mm-hmm. Mine too. And the people that weren't left-wing were known for not being left-wing. Like Really? Yeah. Yeah. I find... No, it's very different, I feel like, in America because I feel like the groups mesh so much, but you wouldn't really have those discussions unless maybe you had friends who were really into having those discussions mm-hmm. or you all had a few drinks and someone saw a news headline and then a discussion started over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like people are very reserved in their beliefs until the opportunity to talk about them comes up mm. and then it'll come out. So I feel like I didn't know a lot of my friends' beliefs really until we would have discussions. And a lot of my friends, I found out, just were very apathetic about politics, mm. which I, I still don't understand because, I mean, it affects every aspect of your life. But they either just didn't know or didn't care to be informed. Yeah. Speaking of conservative, we're going to use that as a little way into the next section about sex. Do you think that being in a conservative area, a university, impacted the view or the perspective on people having casual sex or sex before marriage or just sex in general? No. No? Because I feel like the idea of college life kind of triumphed that. Okay, yeah. So people were like, oh, we're at college, like, doesn't matter, really. So I had friends... I had friends who were on both sides of the debate, you know, some who were having really casual sex and didn't mind, and others who either were waiting for marriage or just didn't want to unless they were in a committed relationship. Yeah. 
Um, I do find that sex is a lot more casual in the UK from at least what I've experienced. I don't know if that's completely true. I'm not going to speak for the whole UK, but at least in London, my, well, not my friends, but like just in general, like people I've met, stories I've heard, it seems to have more casual view on sex than it did back home. I think that's probably because largely the UK is quite a secular country. We yeah. don't, I don't think we really think about religion when we think about sex anymore, especially like my generation, maybe just the generation above. Um, because I think that, I mean, most of the views on sex in the world, you know, country to country, come from religion. Yeah. Yeah. One thousand percent. Um, I mean, uh, I'm born and raised Christian. I still consider myself Christian. It's just, like, if I were to think about that, I would firstly think about religion because that's a strong belief for me personally. Um, I'm not going to knock anyone who does have casual sex because, I mean, that's up to you. That's not my business. Yeah. But I do feel like it does vary, especially if you're religious or not, because even friends who I know who have grown up religiously who now aren't sometimes still have that view of sex of like, well, maybe I don't want to have it casually because it's so deeply ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a lot. It's very in-depth, like the repercussions of a very religious upbringing in terms of sex. So, yeah. Yeah, I've had that conversation with other people about how there is this sort of guilt associated Definitely. with being a sexual person even like not even just having sex but maybe just i don't know fancying someone being horny Mm -hmm. having some masturbation anything like that anything anything exactly i mean you said it masturbation um anything like that comes with a guilt and even though it's literally the most human natural thing in the world but unfortunately as women there's obviously a severe bias against us in terms of sex because men are allowed it's technically it's, yeah. it's so like they're allowed to do do it willy-nilly <laughs> excuse the they're the allowed to touch their willy willy nilly yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are they're not judged whatsoever, whatsoever. it's a double standard though isn't it it's, yeah i don't know i just feel like It's so damaging, especially to young women, to feel like, oh, these feelings aren't normal. Oh, Mm. they're sinful. Mm. Because they're normal. But it just, I mean, where I was... Specifically masturbation, actually. Mm -hmm. How many TV shows, books, films, anything in the public eye talk about men jacking off jerking off this is the butt of all jokes all memes everything all on twitter yeah everything and we're so desensitized to the idea that it's okay that men can do this as soon as a woman talks about this it's like oh gross i don't know if you were in the uk when this happened but zoella the youtuber who was famous she was british youtuber i've heard of her yeah yeah she um i think on her website reviewed a sex toy maybe and as a result got a load of backlash because i don't know i guess that people expected her to be this sort of role model 
A. And she's probably, what, like 25 at this point? Oh, maybe even older. And all her old audience. I mean, some people were saying that, you know, oh, her audience were all children. No, her audience may have been children 10 years ago when she became famous, but her audience have grown older with Zoella and are now at the age, and probably were always at the age where they were thinking about this. Yeah. But, you know now at the age where this is just part of everyday life, but Zoella still has to be a quote-unquote role model, as if being a role model means that you can't talk about sex for a woman. I mean, the double standards are just it's so frustrating. It is, yeah, 1,000%. So um, were you in a relationship in your undergrad? I was, yes. Yeah, and did that take up the majority of your university experience, or was that just... Um, looking back, probably, I mean, mentally, at least it did. Mm-hmm. I entered a relationship with a guy spring of my first year. So halfway through my oh, first year. Oh, that is year. quite early on then. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. early. And we dated until, well, we broke up, I want to say halfway through my second year. So we dated for almost a year, but we didn't really cut things off officially until almost the beginning of my third year. So, yeah, it went on for a while. I don't know. What do you want to know about it? (laughs) Well, I mean, I wasn't in a relationship at university. Mm -hmm. So we obviously probably had quite different experiences as 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. So I don't know. At what point you were in a relationship? I was 18 when I started dating him and 19 when we broke up. Well, there you go. So quite different. Mm Mm-hmm. So would what would you say how do you, would you say that affected your late teens early 20s then? Um I would say the breakup definitely did because I feel like I was in a really bad place for maybe like 6 7 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a really deep depression that spring of my second year into the beginning of the next year. And so I don't think that was really good for me, but it's not the re- that the relationship was bad. The relationship was great. I mean, great guy. I have nothing but good things to say about him. It was just one of those things where I feel like I entered a relationship, I fell really hard, and then I realized, oh, is this really what I want? Like, I'm very young. Like, what else is out there? Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. It does happen a lot, yeah. And it, I felt terrible. I still feel bad sometimes thinking about it because I know, he, like, the love was real. It wasn't just me, but... It was the right thing to do, I think, Mm -hmm. to end it. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it didn't really affect my university experience. I think that I was very attached to him. So I didn't go out and socialize as much as I would have normally had Mm -hmm. I not been in a relationship. Often the case. Yeah. And so I will say I probably would have drank more had I not been in a relationship with him I would have gone out more probably and socially drank more than I did otherwise yeah Mm -hmm. what what about now that you're single both at the end of university in your undergrad and in London what do you reckon what what's it like what do you think I think it's very liberating um my dad told me like from the end of high school when I first started sort of dating I I didn't date until late I was just kind of doing my own thing he told me from like then he was like well you don't need to date like you're still really young and at the time I was like whatever dad like I want a boyfriend (laughs) you know (laughs) and now I'm like he's so right because we are young 
you know? And I feel like, especially where I'm from, there's such a narrative of, oh, you go to college, you meet someone you love, you get married after college, and then you settle down. Yeah. And I was really scared to break that because my parents met in college and they got married after they both finished college and graduate school and they settled down. I always thought that would be me. And it's not. And I was really scared of that for a while. And I think that's why I was so scared to break up with my boyfriend. But now I realize it was probably the greatest advice I've ever gotten. Because you don't need to just keep pursuing a relationship when we're young. Because if it's meant to be, it'll come to you. Yeah, no, you know what? I absolutely agree. I went to university with convinced, absolutely convinced that I... I did go into university in love with someone from home. But I always thought, well, if that doesn't work out, I'm going to meet my husband at university. That's what I thought too. I was like, this is it. I've got three years to meet my husband. Then when I met him, life mapped out. Did I meet him at university? No, No. I didn't. (laughs) No, I didn't. And I think that that assumption of meeting your husband at university probably negatively affects your time slightly i mean not majorly i didn't have a horrible time at uni i had a great time at uni but i was constantly i wasn't able to live in the moment Me too, because if yeah. i started talking to a boy it you would were be like, like oh, what if he's the one <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd be like is he am i gonna marry him am i gonna like can i see myself marrying him it made me get attached to people that i probably shouldn't have got attached to like mm. for instance rugby boy who i spoke about in the previous episode he wouldn't have been a great boyfriend at all. Like, he, he was definitely in a single mode, and that's fine. But and you can't I was make like, someone who's, no, exactly. who's in that mode. Want However, to be in I was like, anyone yeah. I get involved with at university could potentially be my husband, so I've got to take it seriously. You know? Yeah. And that, oh, I should never have done that. I it's really damaging, I feel so like. so damaging because it means that you're like, you're expecting so much. And and you're just only going to get disappointed. Yeah, and no shame to those who actually do meet, you oh, know, the God, love of their no. life in university. Good for you. Yeah, good, good for, you, for you, girl. You I'm did jealous. well. But I feel like so many of us, especially our parents' generation, met their significant others that way. Mm. That a lot of our generation grew up thinking that. And so it was kind of surpri- it's surprising and jarring when you realize, oh well, this relationship isn't going to amount to a marriage yeah. or anything. And and then you think, what's I mean, the point? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what's the point? And now I'm in sort of a place where I'm just happy being on my own. If something comes along, great. But I feel like I have commitment issues. <laughs> I don't know where they came from. My parents, great marriage, whatever. It's not like I grew up in an unhealthy environment. I just feel like I have commitment issues and I don't know where they came from. So well, I would love to unpack those with you, but we don't have much time left. Yeah, We've no, got let's, one more section. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. So the last section is stereotypes. So obviously you're an American in London, an American London, the sequel to an American in Paris. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking that. Um, what 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 stereotypes have you faced while you've been in London? Hmm. I mean. Not many, which I feel lucky about, but I feel like a lot, especially since the Trump administration, I feel like the view towards Americans in the UK and Europe generally has been very negative, Mm -hmm. which I can understand because the news that you all see out of America is 
the worst that we have to offer. <laughs> and of course it makes news because it's newsworthy, but it's, you get that view of America and you think all of America's like that. And I find that a lot of people, especially when they find out, oh, you're from North Carolina, you're from the Southern United States, they kind of go like, oh, you know, and I can kind of tell they're thinking what they're thinking, you know, oh, you know, did you vote for Trump? Did you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like insinuating just in the tone of voice, you can tell. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't say I've encountered stereotypes where they're like, oh, you're a dumb American, blah, blah, blah. But more so misconceptions about what being an American means, if that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like that was very loaded. But No, no, I think that makes sense. I must admit, I definitely have a preconceived idea of what America is like and who Americans are. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I don't try to come in, you know, without any... Uh, what's the word preconceived notions yeah preconceived notions but I do it's kind of automatic it's hard, it is, yeah. it's hard not to but obviously I'm friends with you so I guess I look past it yeah I mean I would hope so <laughs> it's like I don't know I just feel like it's very damaging to have those preconceived notions about any nationality mm. I mean I, people in, in the England in the UK um, are subject to probably the worst stereotypes in oh, Europe yeah, it's oh. Tuesday isn't it like that's oh, the, the joke d- in America if you go on holiday anywhere in Europe and people find out you're from England or you're British, well, actually, you know, if you're from England, because I feel like they have different respect for Welsh people and Scottish people. Really? Oh, 100%. Well, to but be fair, English, you guys did conquer most of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally did. Well, you did not. But, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, your long lost you ancestors. Yeah, of course, yeah. But we have, like, they, they really don't like us, but it's not because we conquered them. I think it's because they think we're dickheads like honestly i think do you think brexit think has something slums. to do with that oh 100 brexit has something to do with it also i think now we've got karma for taking the piss out of you guys having trump because now we've got boris yeah and what goes around comes around i'll tell you what oh, it sucks it sucks being the butt of the world's jokes yeah it does it's and, embarrassing yeah in america i am not going to completely defend it. it's not the greatest country in the world i more than anything wish that it would be But I do think it is a great country, and I think it can get great again. But we have a lot to answer for, and we have a lot to address before it gets to that point. And we aren't the only country who, you know, has a lot to answer for. I just feel like we're on such a national stage that it's so public. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I hope that came across in a good way. But, yeah. Well... This has been a very insightful conversation and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, was there anything you'd like to plug? Any Instagrams, Twitters, etc.? Um, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, I'm pretty sure my username is Sarah with two H's underscore Hooper, uh, like Cooper, but with an H. Yeah, I don't know. I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. And I hope you guys... Don't think I'm some annoying American after those comments. I hope that came across correctly in my No, of course phrasing. it did. No one could ever think you're an annoying American. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Yes. Um, thank great. you. Thank you. So there we have it. That was Sarah Hooper and myself, Maeve Schaffer, recording the second episode of Who Are Uni? I really hope you enjoyed our ramblings about politics, religion, and just 
generally nattering comparing our American and British lives. Um, If you enjoyed the podcast, please do rate us five stars and give me a follow on Spotify or on Instagram. It really, really helps me out. Thank you so much for listening. And like I said, you can find us on Instagram at whoareuni. If you think your experiences at university would make you the perfect candidate to be a, a guest on this podcast, then please do get in touch. You can DM me via the Instagram. Again, thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to give you the next episode.